Hello, this is Brad Thomas with IREIT, and I'm back here again with another CEO uh, roundtable uh, discussion. Uh, today, I'm, I'm honored and pleased to have Ben Butcher, the CEO of STAG, ticker symbol STAG, here on the uh, on the show. Good to see you. Good to see you this morning, Ben. Uh, good to see you, Brad. Uh, albeit virtually, but uh, still good to catch up. Great. Well, I uh, you know I got a little casual today. I actually had a T-shirt. Uh, but I decided to dress up a little bit <laughs> with this shirt I had in the car. But uh, anyway, thanks for joining us here under these conditions. I know we spoke again uh, in the first quarter, and now we're into second quarter. Uh, time flies. This, this summer certainly uh, flown by. But uh, uh, can you give us a high level of how you know how Stag has performed in the uh, second quarter? Yeah. Well, like many of our industrial peers, um, you know. The logistics business is considered, considered an essential service, so um, our sector has been relatively, uh, as anybody can be, as, as unaffected as anybody can be during this time. But as always, we've had the, the tailwinds of e-commerce uh, helping us along, and the pandemic uh, accelerated the move towards uh, um, you know, online shopping and, and for companies getting ready for the world that's going to have more online shopping. So we've seen a tremendous uptick in leasing activity in the second quarter. Um, I think we did probably twice as much leasing or more in the second quarter as we did in the first quarter. Um, and so we collected, I think, 98% of our rents in the second quarter. Um, we recently announced, uh, obviously, the uh, last couple of days, a million square foot lease in, uh, in Maryland. Uh, that was not to an e-commerce uh, tenant, but there were e-commerce tenants um, researching the building at the same time. So e-commerce e has been a big driver. The industrial uh, business is a, is a good business to be in and will be for some time. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that news yesterday in the million square feet. I think that was a publisher, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So um, good to see that. Um, I, I did flip through the investor deck, the latest investor deck, and I, I see that you have uh, uh, included some of your top markets. And, and uh, one of those, of course, as you know, is where I'm at right now in Greenville, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, one of your top markets, obviously, I, as a developer, for about uh, 20 years here. I know that market well. I built for uh, one of the BMW suppliers when they came into the market. But I'm just curious, what's your, uh, what's your take on the Greenville-Spartanburg uh, market? Well, as you know, my, one of my favorite terms, agnostic, is we, we trend not, not to uh, overly favor any one market, but we have been very active in Greenville-Spartanburg because it's a, it's a great market for us. We're able to find good functional buildings with good tenants, uh, and buy them at good returns with, with really good long-term prospects. So it's the, it's the economic vitality of the area combined with, you know, probably some lack of institutional interest in the area, created an atmosphere where we could, you know, find some, some quite a few good transactions to acquire. And I think we're number, maybe number three on our overall markets. Um, the uh, Gramercy, before they were bought by Blackstone, um, it was one of their largest markets as well. With, again, reflecting the amount of opportunity that we see in that market. Yeah. So, you know, you've, you've been able to diversify uh, um, quite steadily since your IPO a number of years ago. Um, how does that translate into your retention? It looks like you've smoothed out a lot of this retention. Of course, we, in the, we reported on your company since really yeah. listing. And you had some lumpy periods of retention, but it looks like you've been able to smooth that out. Yeah, obviously, as the sample sizes get bigger, you would expect the number, the, the variability of the numbers to get smaller. We're now over 90 million square feet. Um, you know, we probably have on uh, the order of 15 million square feet, you know, uh, coming up a year. Um, 
in the, certainly in the, in the close-in years. And so the fact that the numbers have gotten smoother is, is uh, expected. But this year we had, um, our numbers this year will be down a little because we had two 1 million square foot tenants um, that uh, both were vacating. And so that affects retention numbers. But as we just talked about, that book publisher in, um, in Maryland is a, is a no downtime renewal. So uh, there is some free rent involved, which is fairly typical in a tenant of that size. They have to do the fit out on the building. But it, that was a building we underwrote somewhere between 12 and 18 months of downtime. So the, the non-retention was, you know, by projection was going to be pretty painful. But the reality is that, you know, a no downtime renewal with a, with a very strong credit uh, tenant was, uh, was a great result for us and far exceeded our expectations. The other million footer we have is the GSA lease up in Burlington, New Jersey at exit uh, 6A of the Jersey Turnpike in a very, very, very dynamic market. Um, we have multiple full building users uh, pushing around at, at, at occupying that building. Um, that lease uh, with the GSA runs out at the end of the year. Uh, they haven't occupied that building for some time. Uh, but that's an opportunity that, again, we think will we'll dramatically outperform our expectations. Um, we recently completed, a, as you probably know, a, 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 our first speculative development in that same market. Um, we uh, had very close to, if not double-digit return on cost on that, on that greenfield development. So, uh, again, far exceeding our expectations, we were thinking somewhere between 7 and 8%. Um, uh, return on costs. And so that market is, uh, by those two accounts and other accounts, is a very strong market. And so we're, we're expecting, again, to, to outperform in, uh, in the, uh, the result in the GSA building. Yeah. Well, I also noticed in your uh, latest investor deck, uh, and this numbers uh, really stuck out, uh, you have 43% uh, portfolio um, related to e-commerce. Is that, is that a number that you have... Uh, intentionally, you know, targeted or kind of where do you see that, that number today? Well, you know, 43% is the is number of tenants that uh, who occupy our buildings who are doing some level of e-commerce within the structure. I think the number of dedicated e-commerce facilities, it's a lower number, somewhere in the mid-teens, I think. But uh, you're seeing e-commerce as a percentage of retail go, you know, from the low to mid-teens to the mid-teens, you know, and projections are obviously continuing up from there. If you look at some of the European markets and stuff like that, the numbers are higher. And certainly the pandemic has accelerated that trend. So, um, and the leasing at the margin, you know, I think nationally the leasing at the margin has been certainly, I think more, way more than 50% has been e-commerce related in the last quarter or so. So I think you'll see that number continue to trend up as online shopping continues to grow and, and the development and, and finishing out of supply chains is continued by these e-commerce companies. Yep. So it looks like you've got, and again, referring to your deck again, you've got, um, opportunity set spans 60 markets. So what is that opportunity set in the pipeline look like for STAG? I know you, you know, intentionally went West Coast. Are you still pursuing activities, you know, out West? What is your kind yeah. of focus market? So, I mean, we're, we're again, use that word agnostic. We're really paying attention to about 60 to 65 markets that have, we think, enough uh, mass to be fungible so that if you have a building there, you can find tenants, et cetera. Um, and so those are markets that have more than 25 million square feet of, of functional industrial real estate in them. Uh, obviously, they range up to the very big markets like Chicago, L.A., you know, New Jersey, et cetera, which are, you know, a uh, billion plus. Um, 
but the there are certainly functional markets down in the 50 million square foot range where we're able to find good opportunities. So we'll continue to look across all of those markets. Um, we certainly don't mind buying a building in Ontario, California, or in in uh, in Oakland, or in you know some some of these hotter markets. But we're only, we're not going to sacrifice our returns in order to do that. So it's more likely that our activity will continue to center around sort of the middle markets, markets say 15 or 20 through 50 is probably where a lot of our activity will occur. Great, and I wanna talk about, you know, again, we've covered STAG since the IPO, um, but but STAG is- Well, 10 years now, Brad. Yeah, I know. yeah, and and so your you know your valuation has always kind of you know been you know below the peers. Um, how do you how have you been able to? I know you've been able to close the valuation gap some, but how do you continue to close that gap right now? Again, referring to the deck, seventeen point seven uh, multiple based on FFO peers thirty point eight. So how how do you continue to kind of close that valuation gap? Well, I mean, I think first and foremost is performance. So I think the thing that investors are most concerned with is FFO for shared growth. Um, and we've done some things in the past that probably inhibited our FFO for shared growth. We have we put out an investor deck at the end of last year, which showed a pretty clear path to sort of low to mid single digit, sustainable low to single, uh, mid single digits FFO for shared growth going forward. Um, a combination of, uh, of what we've always done, external growth, but also growing internal uh, uh, growth power um, from our, the large portfolio, much, much of it with in place you know, contractual rent bumps, uh, as well as you know, we're, our portfolio in general, I think is slightly below market, so continue to have you know, rent spreads uh, on rollover. So a combination of factors um, and also scaling. We're, um, you know, we've always talked about the fact that a very scalable business, that we don't need a, a lot of extra people in order to, uh, to continue to grow the portfolio. We're at a little over 90 million square feet now, looking forward to the crossing that, uh, that 100 million square foot threshold. Um, uh, the pandemic is probably going to uh, keep us from doing it in this calendar year, but uh, certainly early in the next calendar year, I think we'll probably cross that threshold. Yep. And, and how are you able to, given your cost of capital today, um, and again, with your, you're not as, 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 as um, low cost as many of your, you know, larger peers. Yeah. How do you, how do you uh, compare in terms of acquisitions? Are you able to go into some of these gateway markets at all to compete uh, with those uh, more trophy assets? Yeah, I mean, we're able to go in, but we're, our cost of capital makes it harder for us to compete on, you know, if everybody wants to buy, you know, a 200,000 foot building in Ontario, California with a, you know, a 10 year lease with investment grade credit, we're not gonna be competitive on that. Now, some of our peers may decide that's something they wanna buy and their cost of capital allows them to buy it at an accretive number. Um, but we're very cognizant of what, you know, where the, uh, the level of accretion that we're looking for exists. And, and so that keeps us, you know, uh, there might be a deal out there where there's some a misunderstood credit issue or there's something where our underwriting, we can glean, glean that return, but there is a, you know, we can't kid ourselves. We do have a cost of capital disadvantage in, you know, and so going and competing head to head for trophy assets in, in uh, gateway markets is, is probably not a good re- uh, allocation of resources for us. The good news is there's plenty of assets out there, this uh, widely fragmented, uh, you know, industrial market, lots of small sellers. Uh, we're still able to go out there and find those, uh, those assets that will deliver the returns that we want to deliver to our shareholders. Yeah. 
Well, last thing I want to touch on, Ben, I know you, your company, and, and I'm sure you personally have always really, uh, you know, been interested in the retail investor as evidenced by the, yeah. in fact, you pay monthly dividends. Um, and a lot of, a lot of my followers and subscribers really, uh, you know, resonate around those companies that pay monthly dividends, but safe monthly dividends. So yeah. you've been able to reduce that payout ratio and grow that dividend. So can you talk a little bit about your dividend policy and how you've been able to really balance those two? Yeah. So, I mean, we started off at the time of the IPO, we, we had a, uh, a very high payout ratio and a, very, and a high dividend rate, which was necessary to, to have a good effective uh, initial public offering. Uh, we've since, uh, for a couple of years, we tried to grow the dividend and commensurate with our, um, our FFO per share growth, basically, uh, but, and keeping the payout ratio high. We, we, we uh, made the conscious decision to limit the growth of the dividend on an annual basis, still grow it every year, but limit the growth as we drove that payout, payout ratio down. Um, we've been successful in doing that. We'll continue to be able to do that. When we get down to some, something around 80% of, uh, of cash available for distribution, we'll go back to increasing the dividend at, at a higher level, more commensurate with our FFO per share growth. Great. Well, Ben, I, uh, I wanted to thank you for, for your time today and uh, checking in with us. Looks like, uh, you know, another, another great quarter. And um, obviously, you've been able to manage through this pandemic uh, quite well. So uh, glad to well, see you're doing well. I think one of the, uh, the great things about this pandemic is we were in pretty good shape in terms of being able to work from home, having the, the systems in place. Um, I've been extraordinarily heartened by how effective uh, the team has been working from home. I do, like many other CEOs, share concern about engagement and culture, you know, as, as this drags on. Uh, but we're doing everything we can to, to, to keep the team engaged. As I said, they're doing a great job and, and to maintain that culture, which is, a, I think over time, will, will be a big differentiator in our performance uh, versus our peers. Well, that's great to hear, Ben. Well, listen, I appreciate it again. Thanks for your time and uh, we'll see you again soon. Uh, thank you, Brad.